Well, good morning. It's great to be together once again at Milton Bible Church Online. My name is Jim DeMarsh. I'm one of the leaders here at NBC, and uh, it feels like it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey over these past several weeks that have turned into months. And uh, the more the time goes on, the more I look forward to getting back to church as normal, seeing people face to face, and uh, understanding uh, that there's purpose in this. One of the things that we really believe is that, is that through this COVID-19 um, pandemic, God has shaken up the nations. He's also shaken up the church, and it's for a purpose. And the purpose is always kingdom breakthrough, for his glory to be made manifest, for people to hear the fame of Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior. You know what, I was on a phone call, a Zoom phone call this week with several other pastors across Ontario, probably about 50 different churches represented. And in that Zoom call, people were sharing about the things that God was doing to, uh, for the gospel to go forward. So for instance, uh, there was a chaplain in Ottawa that had seen uh, a couple dozen people come to Christ in the last few months. Someone else in Belleville working for a pregnancy center among dads, helping them to adjust to the crisis of becoming a father unexpectedly. For others, uh, who were, uh, before the COVID-19 hit, they were running an alpha in their own home. There were about five people attending. When COVID-19 hit, they went online with alpha, alpha quickly adjusted, and now they're, they've got over 80 people in their alpha group that stretches not only from coast to coast in Canada, but around the world. You've heard probably of the stories here of Food for Life, how we are making inroads into different communities and how our numbers have more than doubled and we're pushing 200 families a week now that we're feeding. And how we're cooperating and working now with many groups, community groups, um, food banks, churches, uh, restaurants, organizations that we've never worked with before. And it's so exciting. And it's not the numbers that are exciting to me. What's exciting to me is this, is God is positioning his church for kingdom impact. There is a reason that this is happening. And that is because the kingdom of God is breaking through. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being made known. And God has purpose in the things of our lives. And I want us to understand that. Because the desire of God's heart is to see his glory made known through the lives of his people. And lately we've been talking about leadership in a time of challenge. Leadership in a time of challenge. And it's, it's such a great topic. We've been looking at the life of Gideon from Judges chapters 6 and 7. And we want to continue that. In fact, we want to conclude that study today. Um, and let me just do a bit of review. Uh, what we've looked at is basically three things when God wants to bring kingdom breakthrough. He does three things. First of all, he sends a prophet. Secondly, he raises up a leader. And thirdly, brings forth an army. The first thing that God does is he sends a prophet. And what the prophet does is the prophet brings a word of the Lord in such a way that it cuts through culture, it cuts through circumstance, it even cuts through many of our excuses so that we say, 
Thus saith the Lord, the Lord has spoken. We need to respond to that. And what the prophet does when he brings his word, he aligns our hearts with God's heart so that we uh, hear the voice of God and we respond to it. And we start getting, uh, we start getting in line with, with God's agenda. And that's such an exciting thing for the church. And it's such an exciting thing for us as individuals. The second thing God does, not only does he send a prophet, but he raises a leader. And we've been looking the last few weeks at Gideon as a leader. He was a weak man. He was a man of very little faith. He was a man who didn't believe in himself and he didn't believe in the people around him. But God, through obedience, taught Gideon faith. And in the faith that God taught Gideon led him to obey God in such a way that he saw tremendous kingdom breakthrough. You know what? It is so important for us to see ourselves as God sees us. God said and spoke over Gideon, you mighty man of valor, you are the Lord's warrior. And Gideon just said, you know, I'm a nobody in a family of nobodies. I'm the least of the least. And sometimes we are very quickly to run ourselves down and to say we are incapable of doing that which you've called us to. But what God does is he plants faith in our hearts through obedience. And out of that obedience brings breakthrough. Well, this morning we want to look at the fact that God brings forth an army. God brings forth an army. And we're going to look at three different aspects of the army of God that sees kingdom breakthrough. Um, So we're going to look at that army. I'm going to read Judges chapter 7, verses 1 to 22. And as I read that, I want you to have in the back of your mind Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is a passage that we often hear at Christmas. Um, it's, uh, uh, It's a passage that talks about the coming king, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would rule and reign. In Isaiah chapter 9, it talks about, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, uh, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we often associate that with Christmas. But there is a little phrase in that passage, right tucked in the middle of that passage in verse 4, that talks about on the day of Gideon, or sorry, on the day of Midian, uh, the rod of the oppressor shall be broken. In other words, there will be kingdom breakthrough as on the day of Midian, as in the battle of Midian. So as I read this passage from Judges chapter 7, I want you to have in the back of your mind an understanding that what Isaiah was saying was God is going to break through and it's going to look like that. It's going to resemble what happened on the day of Midian, in the battle of Midian. So are you ready? Judges chapter 7 Verses 1 to 22, I'm going to read that. So just listen as I read. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give you the Midianites into their hand lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand hand has saved me. Now therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. 
Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone uh, of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his own home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Well, that same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. And when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put trumpets into the hands of all of them, and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. And when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and they smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars they held in their hands, uh, their left hand, the torches, and in their right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for 
this story of Gideon that fills us with a faith, a supernatural faith in you to bring kingdom breakthrough against odds, against circumstances that are overwhelming, and against uh, uh, forces that uh, seem uh, uh, without parallel. And so we just wanna thank you that you are walking with us and that you have lessons to teach us from the day of Midian, from the day where the battle of Midian takes place and the kingdom of God breaks through. So Lord, give us ears to hear. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I wanna talk about three things about the army of God. Three things about the army of God. And the first thing I want to point out is that they were an army of faith. They were an army of faith. In verse three, it's a very interesting statement. It says this, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, this is God telling Gideon, saying whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. And it says then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So in other words, two thirds of the army went home. So Gideon stands up and he says, hey, who's ever afraid, go home. It's cool, go home. Guy puts up his hand, says, that's me. Another guy puts up his hand, says, I know a shortcut. 22,000 head home. They have said that they do not have the faith to fight this fight. Now, it's interesting, in the Old Testament law, God made provision for that in his rules of warfare. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse eight, it says that, and the officers shall speak to the people and say, is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. So God actually made allowance within the rules of war um, in, in, the, in the law, in Deuteronomy, so that if anyone did not have faith for the battle, if they were too afraid to fight, then, we, you know, they didn't want that to infect the whole army. So they said, okay, whenever a battle is going to be fought, let the, those who are afraid to go home. Let those who don't have faith for the fight go home. You know, the first time I ever went to a church business meeting in a Baptist church, I was surprised at how little faith people had. We were voting on a motion to spend some money to fix up the bathrooms in this little wee Baptist church. And it was my very first business meeting as a pastor. Now granted, it was all the money that the church had, which was not a lot, barely enough to pay me uh, the little amount that, that, that they could afford to pay. And this basically would have exhausted you know, the, the bank account. But the reality was there were so few people that had faith just for this simple home improvement. And many would say things like, oh, we can't afford that. Oh, what if something goes wrong? Oh, what? You know, people came to the meeting who weren't even attending church, but were still on the books as members so they could vote against it. I don't know how word got out there, but it was absolutely ridiculous how how those with little faith could come forward and dominate the business meeting in such a way that, um, that it, we eventually had to table the motion, cancel the meeting, and everyone went home. The, do you know the fears of the unfaithful? Do you know the fears of the unfaithful? This is, 
the fears of those who just, they look at circumstances or they look at, that, they look at um, difficulties and they don't hear the call of God. I remember one time, even in this church, when we were undertaking a pretty uh, big um, assignment that we believed as leaders God had put in our hearts. And there was one fellow who really did not, he just kept saying, well, you know, what if something was wrong? You know, what if uh, this whole project goes belly up? What if this, you know, doesn't work out? And I just felt something stir in my heart. And I turned to him and I said, you know, do you have faith for this? Do you not believe that God has called us to this? That we've presented this to the people, that we've prayed about it, and that we've all been stirred up to move forward in this? Do you have no faith for this? Well, he got incredibly angry with me and said, I have more faith in my little finger and yada, yada, yada. Well, obviously I had touched a nerve. And a few days later I saw him again and something had changed in his heart. And he became the greatest champion of the project that we had at Milton Bible Church, helping to carry it forward in several days of trouble and difficulty. Do you know the fears of the unfaithful? Do you know the fears of those who would pull back? Do you know people have always wrestled with fear and faith? They were even people in Jesus' day, religious leaders, who were convinced that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, but they would not give their hearts to him for fear of the prestige and the position that they would lose in the community. It says in John chapter 12, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Do you know that there are some people, and I think everyone who comes to faith in Christ has to wrestle through this, and everyone who desires to live fully for Jesus has to wrestle through with fear uh, of the unfaithful. The fear is that what will people say? How will people react? What will people think of me? What will my spouse think? What will my cousins think? What will my parents think? You know, will I be a disappointment? Will I, you know, when, you know, when I begin to follow Jesus, will I be mocked? Will I have trouble at work? You know, will, will I have difficulty with my own children? And some even turn back and they say, you know what? The cost is too high. The scripture says that everyone who builds a house must count the cost before they build it. And every king that goes out to war must count the cost before they go into battle. And I think that's wisdom. I think we need to face our fears head on. We need to say, who is this Jesus? Who is this God who is calling me to fight the fight that will see kingdom breakthrough? And let me encourage you not to be the ones that turn around in fear and go home, but to face your fears, come to the battle, see the breakthrough, be a part of the victory, what God desires to do in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our nation, and in the nations, to rise up and see kingdom breakthrough in the battle that God is calling us to. You know, In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Gideon who out of weakness by faith went forward. 
It says in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, who was made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. You know, what Gideon did was he was a man of little faith, a man of weakness, as Hebrews chapter 11 said, but what he did was he stepped into obedience, and out of obedience, his faith grew, and out of his faith and engaging with the enemy, victory was found. Understand this, fear and faith are two trains that run on the same track, and you can't have two trains on the same track at the same time. You must get on board one, either fear or faith, in order to move forward. Now understand, it is not a sin to be afraid. It is a sin to not be obedient. It's not a sin to be afraid, but it is a sin to not be obedient. And obedience grows our faith. And the Bible encourages us over and over again to not be afraid. And I don't want to come down and say, listen, if you're afraid, you know, look at those 22,000 cowards. That is not what's going on here. God wants to grow our faith and overcome our fears. Do you remember the time in the boat where there was a storm? Jesus is sleeping. The disciples are in the boat. They're getting afraid. In fact, they're becoming terrified. But the one who was the creator of the universe was asleep in the boat with them. They wake him up and they say, Jesus, we're in trouble. They wake up the carpenter and the fishermen who make a living on the water. They're so terrified that they got to call their leader because they... You know, they don't know what to do. Jesus looks at them and he says, you know, why do you have such little faith? And Jesus turns and he speaks and the winds are calm and the waves die down. You know, that happens over and over again in scripture. There's a passage where uh, Lazarus, a very good friend of Jesus, is sick. And his two sisters, Mary and Martha, call to him. In who's, Jesus is in another town. And they call to him and they say, come, Lazarus is deathly sick. Jesus is tardy. He is late. Lazarus dies. One of the sisters comes up to Jesus and he rips a strip off him. And he says, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. And he sees for how little her faith is. And he sees how little she trusts in God. And he turns to her and he says, for this reason, the glory of God will be made manifest. Roll that stone away from the grave. And he calls Lazarus out of the grave and Lazarus comes out fully alive to rejoin them. It is not a sin to be afraid, but it is a sin to not be obedient. Because God wants through obedience to grow our faith and through our faith see kingdom breakthrough. That is the way it works. So let me ask you, what are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of today? What are the fears that are in your heart that you know God is calling you to but they're keeping you back from following? Faith must engage That is the only answer to fear. Faith must engage. So first of all, it was an army of faith. Secondly, they were an army of obedience. You see, they were willing to follow leadership. They did what they were asked to do. 
And just as Jesus did the will of the Father, so the Father is looking for a church that will do his will to see kingdom breakthrough. You see, faith plus obedience equals kingdom advance. Faith plus obedience equals kingdom advance. You see, they were a yes people, a yes people, who when God came and said, this is the mission I have for you, they said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we're, we are in. We are in. You know, it's so different from our culture where we are concerned with our rights and our privileges and our liberties and what we are about and what we are doing and what we, wanna, you know, what we want in this moment. Do you know, uh, several years ago in England, that the number one song that was played at funerals was Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. I Did It My Way. The number one song played at funerals for many years in the UK. Absolutely incredible, a proclamation that it is about me, it is all about me, and it will always be all about me. It's, it's kind of surprising. Do you know, even the Apostle Paul said that he was called to preach to bring about the obedience of God in the nations. Listen to what it says in Romans 5. It says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, including you, including me. You see, the desire of God is to bring about a faith uh, that is obedient for the glory of God in the nations. And what God does is he takes rebel sinners and he turns them into people who are willing out of their hearts with willing hearts to please him and to serve him and to make him number one top priority in their lives. It's an absolutely amazing thing. And what God does is he doesn't say, listen, you know, I'm gonna manipulate you. I'm gonna guilt you into this. Uh, you, I'm gonna, you're gonna have to obey a set of rules. No, 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 no. What he says is I'm gonna change you from the inside out. I am gonna give you a new heart I am going to take away your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh will be a heart that is fully after God. And that is how God does it. So that people say, you know what? I am glad to serve. I am glad to give. I am glad to sacrifice. I hear the call of God upon the church through the leadership. And I am in. I am on board. That's the way God works. That's the way God works, internally from the heart. And obedience in our lives is saying Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we're obedient to the call of God, when we're obedient to leadership, we really are obedient to the Lordship of Christ. And we need to be careful as a people who love to celebrate our freedom. You know, we often say it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We are, we are free from the law. We are free from the fear of death. We are free from sin. We are, 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 we are no longer uh, slaves to the flesh. We have been set free in Jesus Christ. And we need to celebrate that. That is an important thing. That is absolutely essential to understand. But understand this. 
that the freedom God calls us to is not freedom to license. It's not freedom so that we can be completely narcissistic. It's not freedom so that it can be all about us and we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, and get whatever we want from God in the way that, that you know, we desire to receive it. Galatians chapter five is a great verse. It says this, it says this in Galatians chapter five, verse 13, the first part of verse 13 says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers. And we would say amen to that, absolutely. We have been called to freedom and we need to celebrate that. But we also need to read the rest of the verse. And the rest of the verse says this. It says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Don't use it as an opportunity just to be all about you and be all about what you're about. That's not the point. Use your freedom as an opportunity to love God and to serve one another. And the literal translation of that, through love, serve one another, really means become one another's slave. Become one another's slave. We are free to love God, to obey him, to follow him, and to serve one another with all our hearts. That is why we have been set free. Understand that. So listen, Gideon's army was obedient to God and obedient to leadership. Now I know some of you, you may have your cult antenna on and you, your antenna is up and you're going, whoa, 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 this is dangerous talk here. You know, we can't be talking about obedience to, to church leadership, you know, because, um, you know, that, that just is dangerous because I read a book once and it was uh, how people followed blindly this, you know, terrible leader and uh, it went really south. Or I saw a video on this or a movie on this or, or I heard a, uh, about someone's experience, you know, where a dominant and godly leader just manipulated things and, and so, you know, we better not do this. In fact, we better put in checks and balances and we better put in, you know, things in which, uh, you know, would guard and protect and, and, and all, all this kind of stuff. Understand this, you know, the Bible says, obey your elders as ones who must um, give an account to the Lord. We don't just rip parts of the Bible out of the Bible because we're uncomfortable with it. Instead, we commit ourselves to obeying and following the scriptures, following what they teach following godly leadership, not carnal leadership, godly leadership that comes under the authority of the word of God, obeys the word of God, but leads the people into greater experiences of his glory. Understand that. We don't just throw the Bible out because we're uncomfortable about it. We must be willing to obey leadership, not abusive leadership, but godly leadership. So Gideon's army, first of all, they were a believing army. They were a people of faith. A believing army who refused to let fear dominate their lives. They were also an obedient army. They were obedient to the leadership that was there. In fact, if you look at verse 17, Gideon said, look at me and do likewise. Godly leadership will always be out in front. Godly leadership will always lead by example and will always lead the way. And that is what God has called leaders to do, to say, follow me as I follow Christ. 
being out front, doing the things that we're asking other people to do, being right in, in, in the forefront of the battle. And then thirdly, they use spiritual weapons. And I just want to wrap up with this. They use spiritual weapons. Not carnal weapons, not weapons of the flesh, but instead of a sword and a spear and a shield, listen to what they carried. They carried a vase, a torch, and a trumpet. And God used a small army of 300 to conquer a foe of several thousand with a vase, a torch, and a trumpet. Now, what are the spiritual weapons that they used? One of them, and I'm just going to close with this, is unity. Totally dependent on one another as they acted in unison together. Do you know what? If you look at our mission statement as a church, we say Milton Bible Church is a Christ-centered family. Family. That word family is incredibly important to us. As family, we believe in one another. As family, we support one another. As family, we are there for one another. And as family, we stand together when, the, when we're called to battle and be there for one another in difficult times. The concept of family is incredibly important to Milton Bible as a church. And understand this, the number one metaphor of the church in the New Testament after the book of Acts is the word family. Uh, the family of God, brothers and sisters, moving forward together, the sons and daughters of the living God, the family of God. You see, there is power in unity. Robin Mark wrote a song many years ago. It comes out of Psalm 133. And it, it, uh, the, the chorus is like this. The chorus is, there is a place of commanded blessing where brethren in unity dwell. And where brethren in unity, where brothers and sisters are living together with a sense of unity, their God is. And their God blesses. And their God comes and does great things. You see, loyalty is powerful. Where we say, I believe in him and I believe in her. Verse 21 says uh, this, and every man stood in his place. And every man stood in his place. In other words, where everybody stood in the place that they were assigned to stand and everyone did what they were assigned to do. And uh, it's very, very interesting. I mean, they had to carry a vase, a torch was in the vase, and then they had to blow a trumpet. So here's the deal. Here's the strategy. Here's the thing God is calling them to do. First of all, I want you to go around the 300 and I want you to encircle the valley with there are thousands of your enemies. It says the camels were as the sands of the seashore. I mean, even the camels were without number. The people were like locusts. There were so many thousands there. And God says, listen, I want you to go around the, the rim of the valley and I want you to space yourselves out, physical distancing, you know, at least six feet apart. And uh, what I want you to do is, um, this is what you're gonna do. Gideon says, when you see me do it, do as I do. I want you to crash the vase. I want you to light the torch, hold it in your left hand, and I want you to blow the trumpet with your right hand. And as you blow, I want you to shout out, 
the sword, for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. <laughs> That's the battle plan. Okay, guys, let's go. 100 here, 100 there, 100 over there. Now, if I was there, and the way I think, and let me be the worst case scenario, I would probably be questioning those things. You know, I would probably, people would probably be saying things like, I don't want to break up into small groups. I want everyone to stay together. I don't want to be in three different groups. I think we should all stay together. Another person might say, well, you know what? If we have to break up into groups, I want to go with Gideon. Gideon's my friend, and I want to be with him. That may be what some people say. Other people might say, well, you know what? <clears throat> what kind of a crazy battle plan is it to break a vase, light up a torch, and then blow a trumpet at night? It's kind of like saying to the Midian army, okay, I'm here, let me light a torch, let me blow a trumpet. <clears throat> it's target practice for the archery of brigade. Come on, everybody, have a shot. I might say, you know what, that is an absolutely crazy battle strategy. I might have that statement. <clears throat> or I might say, to the guy next to me, hey, Pete, for the, what are we supposed to say? And Pete turns to me and says, we're supposed to say, for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And I might say, well, how did Gideon get a sword? I want a sword. How did he get a sword? Bob, did you know Gideon has a sword? Why can't we have swords? I want to have a sword too. We might have one... Cause for excuse after another. We might question the strategy that God has placed to bring victory over uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the armies of the east that they had brought. There might be all kinds of excuses, all kinds of things in which we question God. God in his strategy, God in, in, in God's people in their unity, you know, but they didn't. They didn't. What they did instead was when Gideon broke his vase, they broke their vases. When Gideon lit his torch, they lit their torches. When Gideon blew the trumpet, they blew their trumpets. And when Gideon shouted for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon, they shouted for the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And what happened, of course, was a great victory, a supernatural victory, a victory that could have never happened in any other way if God was not uh, instrumental in, in, in putting it all together. So here's the deal. God wants to bring kingdom breakthrough. He does. And I believe that he has shaken up the nations and I believe he is shaking up the church in order for us to do things differently, in order for us to understand that perhaps he has a new strategy, perhaps this is a new day, perhaps he is calling us to a new thing in order to move forward and see kingdom breakthrough. And when God wants to bring kingdom breakthrough, he does three things. First of all, he sends a prophet. Secondly, he raises up a leader. And thirdly, he brings forth an army. 
You and I, we are part of that army. We are part of the army that God is calling forward to see his kingdom break through. So let me ask you something. What is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to jump into? You know, I love that people have been calling uh, our, our office and saying, hey, you know what? How can I help? How can I be involved? How, how, can I, how can I help care for others? How can I make an impact in our community? How can I, can I help in, in the things that God is calling our church to? And this is just isn't about our church. It isn't just about our church. I love the fact that when the enemy was on the run, what Gideon did was he called uh, the, the, the 10,000 out of the tent. He said, okay, guys, it's time to go. He called the 22,000 who'd been sent home, said, you know what? I want you to share in the victory. I want you to share, you know, in a part of, of, of what God is doing. You know, his spirit was big, and the kingdom of God is more than just about Milton Bible Church. It's more than just about this or that or me or mine. The kingdom of God is bigger, and we need to be looking at, at the, the different ways that God is calling us to bless and be involved and be a part. Different churches, different organizations, different ways of being a blessing in our community. It's not just about us. God's kingdom is so much bigger. So let me ask you once again, what is God calling you to? Because I think he is calling. And if you haven't heard his voice, just listen. Listen carefully. There's so many things we need to go during this COVID-19 day from saying, woe is me, to saying, what is the mission, God, that you have for us? What is the mission that you have for us during these challenging times? Because we know you're calling. We hear your voice. And we have a heart for kingdom breakthrough. And I believe God's going to reveal that. I believe God will honor that heart in you. I believe that God will honor that heart in our church. And so let's pray. Let's be the people of God together. And let's move forward in kingdom advance for the glory of his name. All right, let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and for what you did on the day of Midian, for how you worked through the battle of Midian to deliver your people from oppression in a day in which they saw no hope and no help. But so glad, Lord, they cried out to you. And when they cried out to you, you sent them a prophet and that prophet spoke the word of God in such a way that Gideon's heart was aligned with your heart. And he began to live the life that you called him to live in such a way that the people of God rallied around the agenda of God and they saw kingdom breakthrough. And so, Lord, we just pray, would you do it again? We pray, would you come again? Would you come again in power? in supernatural ways that we can't even begin to imagine what that strategy might be. But we say we are here. We will be the yes army of God for that when you call us, we will be ready. And when you speak into our families and into our jobs and into our marriages and into our neighborhood and into our community, we will say, yes, Lord.
yes, Lord, we are here and we will fight the good fight for you. Thank you, Lord, that obedience builds faith and obedience plus faith brings breakthrough. So build in us a people of faith through acts of obedience that will bring glory to your name. Thank you, Lord, for Gideon, who heard your voice. Even though he didn't believe in himself, he believed in you. And thank you, Lord, that you proved in him a great leader in a time of challenge. So raise up leaders from amongst us, we pray, and we thank you that you will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening today. And uh, once again, let me just say how much I look forward to when we will be together physically face-to-face. I long for that day. I look forward to that day. In the meantime, let your light shine. Let the glory of God be made known throughout all of Milton, Canada, and the nations. God bless you.